Good evening, and thank you all for joining us tonight uh, for our Wednesday night live Bible study. It is an honor to be with you all. Uh, if you are a first-time guest with us, welcome. Uh, we've actually had a few people that we didn't know were watching actually kind of jump into our small groups um, on uh, Tuesday or Thursday night, which has been a welcome surprise. So if you are a guest and um, let me just say this, you are welcome to anything that we have available online. Uh, our, our website is newarkupc.info and there you can find information all about us, um, how to join a small group, where to submit prayer uh, reports and, and praise reports, uh, how to sign up for children's um, uh, Sunday school, if you will, on the weekends. Uh, but everything you need to know about us is there. And you don't have to be a member of this church to participate. Uh, so be sure to check us out there. If you're a regular with us, welcome. We're honored to have you uh, with us tonight. Some of you may have noticed you did not receive your Breeze 10 minute reminder. Well, Breeze is down, unfortunately. We have no control over that. Uh, but hopefully you managed to um, get your Facebook ding as a reminder and jump on on time. Um, so as most of you know, you've been uh, listening this week. This week our series is on the role of a servant. And tonight I'm going to be looking at the life of David uh, and give you some examples of, um, of being a servant from David's life. Uh, you can grab your Bibles if you want. Uh, I don't have the ability to, to cast here. Uh, I'm primarily going to be reading to you out of 1 Samuel 16 and 17 tonight. But before I get started, I'm going to pray and we'll ask God to be in our midst. Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to gather together in your name. God, we thank you, Lord, that we can, uh, even in this difficult time, we find a way that we can gather together, Lord Jesus, and to share your word and to connect with one another. God, we ask that you would be uh, in our midst this night, Lord, that you would minister us through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So I mentioned that I'm going to go to David's life. And originally when I thought of this lesson, you know, I thought about David's um, servant, his right-hand man, Joab, and David. I was you know, struggling with which one to present you tonight, but I'm going to focus on David. And uh, I'll say at the outset that really I'm going to just barely scrape the lessons we can learn from David's life. Uh, as I prepared for this lesson and I got in chapters 16 and 17, there's so much right here in those two chapters. And this is just the very beginning of, um, of David's life that we see. Uh, so I want to start in 1 Samuel 16. And verse 1 says, Now the Lord said to Samuel, You have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king of Israel. So fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. So as you can see here, uh, King Saul is no more and God is through with Saul and he's on to find him a king who will um, be more obedient to him, a king, that, a, a better king, if you will, that will rule his people. And so he sends Samuel on this task to go uh, to the house of Jesse and to select one of his sons to be his king. So verse two says, but Samuel asked, how can I do that? I'm sorry, let me backtrack. Saul is no more technically as king, but he's still acting as king. So here, here's Samuel's, Samuel's trepidation here when he says, how can I do that? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. Take a heifer with you, the Lord replied, and say that you have come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you which one of his sons to anoint for me. 
So Samuel's recognizing this is a dicey situation. You know, Saul could actually kill him if he goes and anoint another king while he's still living, but God gives him a cover. You know, go to Jesse under the cloak of, of the sacrifice and, and, uh, and I will show you which one of his sons to anoint for me. So I'm dropping down to verse six. And verse six says, when they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. That's a lesson that we can all learn from uh, what God said to Samuel there. Verse eight says, then Jesse told his son Abinadab to step before, um, to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, mm, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summoned uh, Shimei, but Samuel said, mm, neither is this one, the one the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? Eh, they're still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the field watching the sheep and goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one, anoint him. So David stood there among his brothers. Samuel took the flask of oil he had, uh, he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Now that was huge. So just imagine the big, uh, the stark contrast in David's life. I mean, David was just out, you know, tending to his sheep and, and his goats minding his own business. And, you know, he gets called in before the prophet Samuel and is anointed king. And I'm sure David's going, well, what's going on here? So that, that's our first introduction to David. Um, and it's as if David was sort of this afterthought. You know, his father brings up all his sons and, and it doesn't even occur to him to bring David. So that's how, how highly David was thought of, should I say. And, uh, you know, it's almost, he's like, oh, oh yeah, 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 that other one that's out there tending those sheep and goats. So Samuel anoints this young, least qualified, at least, least by human standards, even if that meant by appearance, because that's kind of what Samuel was going on. Oh, let me look at this one, you know. Uh, not that he knew anything about the character of Abinadab or the other sons, but just by looks alone, Samuel was, was thinking, oh, this is the one. And, and so even by those standards, David didn't necessarily fit uh, the role that's, that Samuel, um, that, that God had called him to. So Samuel anoints this young and this you know, least qualified shepherd boy to be the next king of Israel. Now, I don't think it's happenstance that God chose a shepherd to be his people. And not just any shepherd, but one did not, one that did not take lightly his responsibilities. Now we're gonna get into a story here and I'm gonna show you what I mean by that. So uh, we know that David was serious about his responsibilities as shepherd. Remember, we're talking about the role of a servant here tonight in this, in this Bible study. And uh, David was also, David was also faithful. He was also, um, trying to find my words, it was important to him, his allegiance to God. And, and so we see that the servant in him was revealed in the events surrounding 
the interaction I'm going to share with you tonight, uh, that, that it was revealed in his interactions with this whole deal about Goliath. And everybody, well, if you haven't read the story about Goliath, you need to go to, to Samuel and read it, but this popular story of David and Goliath. So in 1 Samuel 17, starting with verse 8, we learn of this ferocious giant named Goliath who stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. Why are you all coming out to fight, he called. I am the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. Now that cracks me up to think of a whole army of men, you know, kind of cowering behind some rocks. So that's how I envision in my mind somewhere, you know, knees shaking, you know, at this big giant. But anyway, that's what was happening. They were hiding. So there's a backstory going on right here that I didn't get to uh, into uh, at the outset of this, but there's a backstory happening at this time. So by now, you know, Saul is, is unstable. You know, God has sent this evil spirit to torment him. And the only thing that will soothe him is David playing his heart. And so the backstory behind this is that, you know, uh, King Saul has sent to Jesse and asked that Jesse come and, you know, stay with him and, and uh, you know, whenever he would have these attacks, if you will, that David would play this harp and he would be soothed. So he had taken David under his wing, so to speak, um, and was actively in, in King Saul's service. So verse 15 says, but David went back and forth so he could help his father with the sheep in Bethlehem. Now, I personally think that's interesting. Like, was there no one else who could tend the sheep? You know, from what I can gather, David's family, right? We just read that. The David's family witnessed him being anointed uh, by Samuel. Um, and David's father, because Saul asked for his permission, had released, uh, you know, David um, to be a part of in, in Saul's service. And, and all these big things have happened, so to speak. And you're going to keep calling him home to tend the sheep? I don't know. That just that sounds weird to me. Anyway. David's brothers had joined King Saul's army to fight the Philistines. So Jesse, David's father, sends David to his brothers to take some food and to check on them to see how they were doing. So verse 20 says, so David left the sheep with another shepherd and set out early the next morning with the gifts as Jesse had directed him. Now here's David with the shepherd business again. That again, I, I think it's interesting that did we really need to know that, you know, in this big story that we're reading here, that David left the sheep with another shepherd? Or could there be a point to such a seemingly insignificant detail? Let's see. So now David arrives at the camp just in time to hear Goliath threatening the army of Israel. And verse 26 says, David asked the soldiers standing nearby, what will a man get? for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel. Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? Now that's, that's a point we wanna hold on here. So as a servant of the Most High God, David recognized that what was happening was bigger than two groups of men fighting against each other. These Philistines weren't just defying the army, but the living God. And backing down was not an option. 
you don't just let the enemy, big or small, gain ground, right? David understood that there was something bigger happening here. The stakes were too high. So you ever heard this, the, the saying, you know, uh, give, give someone an inch and they'll take a mile? And, and so maybe that's how David seen this. But David saw this on a whole bigger level than just, you know, there were battles all the time amongst tribes and things. But this, this was something bigger. So, so there are a few lessons that we can learn here about the role of a servant. One is that a servant takes on the mind of his master. How does the master see what's happening? In the New Testament, for example, we're told to put on the mind of Christ. Right? There's one way that we see things, but the way that Christ sees things is very different. And so that's how we, you know, we kind of know how to govern our lives and, and, and to, you know, what, what, what is of importance and what is not, you know, what's trivial and to be dismissed and what is, what is really important. And so he, here we see that, and it said, David said, no, there's something important happening here. This, this battle matters. And so a servant takes on the mind of his master. Another lesson is that a true servant looks after his master's best interests. He's looking after his master's interests. What is important to the master? So verse 27, let's get back to our story, says, and these men gave David the same reply. They said, yes, that is the reward for killing him. But when David's oldest brother, Eliab, heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of. David just cannot get past his sheep thing, right? So I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to see a battle. Now, this wasn't David's idea to come down and see the battle. Remember, Jesse sent him down to take the food and to check on his brothers. But anyway, that's the way the brother sees it. Verse 29 says, what have I done now? David replied, I was only asking a question. Now, I can relate to that because I am, well, for many years, I was the baby of five children and I was the brat and, I, and and so I always found myself defending myself like that you know what have I done now my siblings would always accuse me of stuff but I was actually most of the time guilty but anyway that's another story verse 30 says he walked over to some of others and asked them the same thing and received the same answer then David's question was reported to King Saul and the king sent for him so somehow David asking his questions about what's the reward and how, you know, somehow this gets back to King Saul. And in verse 32, uh, David is saying to King Saul, don't worry about the Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go and fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy and he's been a man of war since his youth. Now, remember, when I started reading this story, this is like a story inside of a story. I said to you earlier that let's, let's, let's read this story to find out um, how I know that David was serious about taking care of those sheep, that he took his responsibilities as a shepherd seriously. So, so here it is inserted in the story of, of Goliath. In verse 34, uh, David is replying to Saul and he says, but David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it and with a club and I rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and I club it to death. David said, who are you calling the boy? I handle my business, right? 36 says, I have done this to both lions and bears. 
and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. David had full confidence. Now I want you to notice something here, right? Okay, we're talking about this role of a servant. David had full confidence. Not because he was so strong. He was a boy. Sounds like he was even small. But, but his confidence wasn't in him. His confidence was in the God he served. So as we're looking at, at this role tonight of a servant, we, we find here some other lesson that we can learn in Saul's explanation uh, to, I'm sorry, in David's explanation to Saul for why he was equipped to take down Goliath. And uh, it reminds me, his response reminds me of what Jesus said about himself in John 10, verses 10 through 14. And it reads, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he is working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. So that makes me think about David because David equated this battle, this, 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 this lion and bear trying to steal the sheep, you know, with what Goliath was trying to do to God and his people. David said, this is not happening on my watch. But even as it related to David taking care of his sheep, David was no higher hand. He genuinely cared for those sheep. And if by extension, you could say that he genuinely cared about the things of God and, and the honor of God and God's people. So another lesson that we can learn from this is that a true servant genuinely cares about the flock and by extension, the one the flock belongs to. The servant always carries out his master's wishes. So to David, this wasn't about size. This wasn't about, this wasn't a small thing. This is something that master would not be pleased with his people cowering and, and hiding from this, uh, from this Philistine. So it says, Saul, um, Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. Then Saul gave David his own armor. We, we made this story, uh, and he gave him this you know, armor to put on, and, and David puts it on, and David's probably just, you know, sagging in this armor, I can imagine. And uh, and then, let's see, what verse am I at? And in the verse 39 says, David says, I can't go in these. He protested to Saul, I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them in his hand in his shepherd, shepherd's bag. Then armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. So David, he gonna handle his business in the name of Jesus, or maybe in Yahweh in those days. And verse 41 says, Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer uh, ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy faced boy Am I a dog? He roared at David, that you come to me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. And David replied to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. David was clear about the vision. 
right? David was clear about what's happening. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you who's going to win this battle. Verse 46 says, today the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle. He will give it. He will give you to us. So this whole thing wasn't about David. David wasn't interested in the Philistines knowing his name. You know, he could have said today, today you're going to know, you know, that I'm the one that conquered you today. And no, no, no. This was all about God. This was all about God getting glory. You're going to know today who reigns in Israel. So another lesson we can learn from David's life so far about the role of a servant is that a servant knows that it's all about the master. It's all about the master and, and people of God, you have got to get this straight. We sign up to serve or we want to serve and we want to do things for so many reasons. And I don't know if it's always genuinely because it's about the master, right? He or she walks a servant, male or female, they walk in the authority of the master. So if you have any authority in the kingdom of God, it's because God gave it to you. And so, and it's not about you. So when you go to, and we want to serve so often, we, we, we say we want to serve and some, sometimes we can get off kilter. Sometimes it becomes a thing about making a name for ourselves or status or, you know, uh, things like that. But God is not going to share his glory with anyone. And so we, we have to understand that service. Think about the word itself, servant, right? Servants are not glorified. They do the bidding of their master. They do what their master wants. So David, by the power of God, he did slay that giant. And eventually David became king of Israel and continued to win great victories for the Lord his God, which brings um, me to another lesson, right? There's, there's, again, there's, there's just in these, you know, a couple of chapters right here, there's, there's several lessons in, in David's life. So we first found David minding his own business, tending his sheep and goats. He wasn't looking for anything uh, great as far as we can tell, right? He was, it appears from what we can gather from the story that David was happy doing that. You know, he didn't hear that some prophet was at the house and he went run out there to say, oh, what about me? You know, he they had to go send for him. So he wasn't just being faithful over the responsibilities. I'm sorry, David was just being faithful over the responsibilities that he had at the time. Tending my sheep, taking care of my goats. No bear, or no lion is stealing anything from me. I care about this flock. But God, you know, I, I, besides the animals and the shepherd, you know, there's not a lot of people around, other people around when you're tending flock the way, the way I understand it. But, but God sees what we don't see. But God somehow had honed in on David. And he saw that this was a man of humility and faithfulness. And God decided, this is exactly the man I want to rule my people. And he did just that. Matthew 23 11 and 12 says, the greatest among you must be a servant, but those who exalt themselves will be humble and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Being a servant is not about power in the sense that we think about power, meaning self-elevation. A lot of times we think about you know, being in a power position or that kind of thing. It's, it's about us, it's about elevating ourselves as individuals. Um, you know, it's not about bossing folks around and being in charge. That, that's not God's idea. Um, 
But serving can be very powerful when done under the direction of God. So in the church, again, we talk about leadership a lot. We talk about those things, but God uses the word servant most often. And here he says that the greatest among you must be a servant. There's this in, inverted thing going on. But servant can be power, powerful under the direction of God. When we're humble and we're obedient, God can, and he often does position us uh, in strategic roles to accomplish his will. So in that sense, we are exalted. Okay? David went on to be this great king of Israel. God did exalt him in due time, um, you know, even though he remained humble and, and, and obedient, largely. Um, but that only gave him greater responsibility. So he's out here tending the sheep and he's a servant and, and God exalts him. And, and you know, that's a whole lot more responsibility to govern a whole kingdom of people than there is to make sure a lion doesn't steal a, doesn't steal a sheep, right? So, so there's even more uh, responsibility so often. So it, it's not the sense of power the way we think of it, right? That, that there's more responsibility. We become more of a servant. David had to serve all those people of Israel. David was responsible for those people of Israel as king. And there was times when he blew it and it cost the people, cost his wives, cost his children. Um, and so there's a responsibility that goes along with it. And when we understand this responsibility of servant, you know, we might not be so gun ho about it sometimes. Um, but anyway, so when we want to serve, it shouldn't be about seeking to be somebody. No. It should be about how can I help God further his kingdom? How can I, how, how, what can I do to, 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 to help God's mission be accomplished? And so um, when looking at David's life as servant, another verse comes to mind from Matthew 25 and, and 23. It says, the master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. So David, you can look at his responsibilities as a shepherd, if you will, you know, as a, as a small thing, right? But he was faithful over that. David was serious about that. It may seem insignificant. Sometimes we look at in, in, in the church and we, we look at the different roles, if you will, of serving, different areas of serving. And some of these we deem, eh, nobody can see me over there. Or, well, you know, that job, what's the big deal about that? And, oh, I don't want to do that. And, you know, if we're not um, maybe in an upfront role or a role where everybody can see what we're doing, we deem those, um, we, don't, we deem that area of service insignificant. But uh, I don't know who all other than David's uh, family like knew he was out there in the field, but God knew he where he was. And, and even besides that, it takes all these little things. Um, and if I just bring it to the church, for example, it takes all those little things to make things happen. You know, you, you might not think cleaning the bathroom is important, but when you go in that bathroom and it's dirty, you'll understand how important it is. And so it, it's not about, you know, elevating. It's, it's what, what can we all do to further God's kingdom? Where can God place us in his body? What, what can we do to make it happen? All of those things are important. So here David was faithful over something seemingly small, but he was he took it seriously. It mattered to David. And God, God elevated him, if you will. Um, in fact, so much so that David goes down in history. This is one of my favorite lines here. As a man after God's own heart. Right, David he got it. He, he understood what God was trying to do. 
He understood the heart of God. He was a man after God's own heart. Flawed as he may be, we all are, right? None of us are perfect. You heard that uh, lesson the other night from, from Meg and Erica, right? We're, you know, none of us are perfect, but, but we can please God. We can get on, we can get in alignment with God, right? We can all be pushing in the right direction. God, what would you have me to do? David was known as a man after God's own heart. And as servants, that's exactly what we want to be. We want to be men and women after God's own heart. We are in his service. So one last verse from that comes from Luke 1, 67 through 69. And this is when Zechariah was prophesying. And Zechariah says, um, so it says, then his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and gave this prophecy. Praise the Lord of the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty savior from the royal line of his servant, David, just as he promised through his holy prophets long ago. So here we see, you know, in this prophecy, we talk about the coming of Christ, that he came in this royal line of his servant, David, not King David, right? And I, I thought that was noteworthy here that, that you know, uh, he's not known here in this, in this verse that is again talking about the coming of Christ. He's not known here as the King David or, or the Shepherd David, but he's he's in the royal line of his servant David. Right? That that servant role is powerful. And I know in our culture nowadays, you know, nobody wants to be uh, labeled as such. You know, in fact, you know, it's not it's not a it's not a glorious title to be called servant, but it is in the kingdom of God. It is in the kingdom of God. It's, it's like the greatest honor that we can have actually is to be a servant of the most high God. Right to even think that God would include us in His work—that's absolutely mind blowing to me. Right, that this great God wants me to help Him, if you will, if you want to look at it that way, uh, carry out His will on this earth. So it's, it's absolutely an honor to do that. So when we think about serving, we, and we're going to hear uh, throughout the week, you know, other aspects of serving in this role of the servant. Um, and I think it was. Um, Oh, I can't remember his name who was on our broadcast not too long ago, drew out the point that, that we serve God. Ultimately, everything we do is about God. Everything ties back to the fact that we serve God. The reason I serve you is because God has called me to. The reason that we serve each other is because God has called us to. The reason that we want to serve in our community is because God has called us to. Everything ties back to the master. Another scripture says, reminds us that we're not our own, that we belong to Christ. We serve him, which is why we serve each other. And so I hope that you there's some lessons in David's life that you can uh, that you can enjoy some coming to an end if you want to. Oh, I'm right on the mark right there. If you want to uh, let the folks know they can submit some questions. Um, but yeah, ultimately, we serve God and everything we do. You know, we, God even says that, that everything we do, we do it unto him. Right. We're in service to our king and looking at it that way, there's nothing too great or too small that God can, I'll speak for myself, can ask me to do, right? This, when, when we're in service to the king, God, it's, it, again, it, it is amazing that he would include us in his work. So I'll leave you with those lessons tonight. And I don't know if you guys have any questions. I know that's a, that's a popular story, um, but David's life, I mean, that was just the, again, I say the very beginning, his life was rich. There are lots and lots of lessons that we can learn um, from David's life. Um, you know, even as he became king, you saw that David had, I find that he had a very unique perspective of how he would deal with God's people. 
he highly regarded God's people. You know, even King Saul, who was um, referenced in uh, who, in this initial part of the story, who eventually, I'm saying this, I know this is a proper story, but, you know, who eventually, you know, sought to kill David, you know, even when David had the opportunity to kill Saul. And rightfully so. I mean, he, he's running for his own life and, and he, he ducks and he dodges Saul. But even when he had the opportunity to King Saul, David would, would make this statement, you know, far be it from me to stretch forth my hand against the Lord's anointed. You know, he has such honor for God's people. And, uh, you know, he just, he really had the heart again of a servant. This is not about me. God, God takes care of things. I work for him and I'm going to do right by his people. Uh, those who are not even doing right by me, but even those who, who are, you know, I always also thought it was funny that, you know, that I hadn't noticed before that it said he was taking care of the goats and the sheep. Um, you know, a true shepherd, you know, they just take care. I, I know the goats are kind of referred to as, you know, not so nice and, and that kind of thing. But I, I thought that was interesting as well. Shepherd, shepherd looks out, you know, he does the master's bidding. It's not about him. Uh, and so I'm, I'm using the role of shepherd tonight to talk about this role of a servant. Um, but it matters. New Testament talks about, you know, the role of a shepherd and, and relates to uh, pastoring and taking care of the flock and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, a pastor whose heart is right with God and who uh, um, is, is not going to shepherd for money's sake, for example, or for position or title, but because he genuinely cares about the people. That's, that's, that's the kind of shepherd you want. That's the kind of heart you want in someone who is serving. All right, I'm going to shut up now. All right, Joyce, you coming back on with me now? Let me know if we got any questions. Okay. Yes. Oh, and by the way, there was a comment from Sister Moss. So she said, Sister Leela, spoken like the real servant that she is. Oh, so that was nice. Me. I love you, Sister Moss. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So how can we in our own lives focus on the smaller things and keep in mind that the lesson, I'm sorry, that the less important things are still an integral part of Christ's body? Off the top of my mind, I'm thinking, you know, brother, well, Brother Moss brings this lesson up, this topic up sometimes, so do, do what's in your hands. In other words, take, take out of your mind what's too big or too small. If I can do it, I'll do it, right? We, we know that God sees things differently. I just kind of drew some of that out, you know, in, in that lesson there. Um, but I guess if you take out of your mind that, you know, something is lesser than the other, you know. Now, I don't always want to bring this up because I know it, it, it seems like every time I talk about serving, I, I talk about the bathrooms and, and that, that that comes from the elder beers, you know, you know, talking about serving. And, you know, what wouldn't we do? You know, um, people who pass the home mission churches know that you had to do everything. You know, sometimes you had to come in the morning and clean the bathroom and get, get the building ready, you know, um, you know, do a worship service, preach the word. I mean, they're used to doing everything. And so I think kind of that comes from that mind frame. But but what is, what is too small to do when you think about the fact that you're doing it for God? You know, and God, God kind of even puts something in the scriptures that, you know, that if, if you have that mind frame, um, maybe you have a job you don't like, or maybe you have somebody over you who's um, even in the secular realm. It's not just in the church, but just in your everyday. Maybe you have somebody over you who's not very nice boss or supervisor. God says, do it unto me. You know, don't, don't look at it as you're doing it unto people. Do it unto me. 
And I found that when I look at things that way, when it's about God, like what could God ask me that I would say no to him for? Like what, what would I say no to God about? Now I'm, I'm talking about me because I'm scared of him, right? I don't fool with God. You know, I, I, I'm a chicken and I, and I'm, I respect him, but I also fear him, you know, and, and maybe, but what would, what could God ask me that I would say, nah, I'm not doing that for you. Now for, for me, that's enough to move me. I, I can't say no to him. There may be things that I struggle with. You know, there's things that, that maybe God asks of me that I think are, that I think are difficult or I think that are challenging, that kind of thing. But um, I don't want to say no to them. I may just have an issue with doing them. So I have taken off, you know, not saying no to God. So maybe take the hierarchies off things. Again, I, I mentioned, you know, the toilet thing because, you know, some people say, oh, well, that's, that's low and that's menial, you know, and, you know, I, I'd rather be doing this and I'd rather be doing that. But if it's all necessary for the kingdom, if it's all necessary for God's work, and I know I went to a physical campus thing, but when I think about church, I think about that. You know, we, we talk about, you know, um, you know, when guests come in and people come in, when people come into your house and they see your house is out of order, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of weird, right? I mean, and, and, but when people come into our church, our facilities even matter. So I'm just, you know, I took it physical here, but what does it matter, right? It all matters, um, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things. And, and so again, do it unto God. Okay. Um, yes. Yeah, so what do you think was the greatest reason God accepted David and rejected Saul, even though David committed such a great sin? Well, such great sins. So there we go again. Uh, we say just such great sins, right? I know as I say, we say, okay, I'm not at all obviously condoning David um, committing adultery, right? Murder, like that, that, just, that just went off the track terribly that whole night with him and Bathsheba. I'm sure he regretted that day, um, you know, for the rest of his life. Um, but we do know that God is forgiving, right? That our mistakes don't define us. Okay, you know, there was lots of great things David did before that. In fact, there were lots of great things God did after that. But we also know that God is about relationship. So, you know what I mean? So God's not, again, I know we've covered that in some prior series, but God's not looking at us and saying, oh, you made that big mistake. That's it, you're done. You know, I'm gonna write you off. You know, that was a, a blip, a bad blip, but it was in the grand scheme of their relationship. Um, David was also, if you look at how David handled that, David was also very humble, which was brought out earlier in that, what I just, some of the scriptures I just read from you from 1 Samuel 16 and 17. David was humble. David humbled himself. He owned that sin. He repented, he confessed, you know, and, and that's the thing that God asked us to do, right? You know, to make it right, he didn't run, he didn't hire from it. I mean, he, again, it, it got out of hand, but when it ultimately came down to it, David owned it. He did what God asked him to do, he repented, he got up, he anointed his head, and he went on with life. Um, and so we know that with Samuel, for example, there seemed to be a repeated thing happening with Samuel. Um, and not that God doesn't necessarily, there was something deeper. Okay. What's in this story. Hmm? With Saul. Obviously, there was something deeper happening with Saul. And there's something that we don't know as humans. You know, as as, as it was said when uh, when Samuel went to anoint David, you know, that you guys look on the outside and I look on the heart. That, that, that heart is something that only God can discern. So we don't know from the story anyway, what was in that thing that Saul was doing that really made it so bad? 
you, you know, but God, but God knew and, and he wasn't accepting it. Um, and so, and maybe with the response, I also, if I recall correctly, and I don't have the details of what happened with Saul in the top of my mind right now, but if I recall correctly, Saul didn't own it. Saul make excuses. Paul, you know what I mean? Saul had a different reaction when he was confronted with what he did wrong. That, that much I do recall. And those kind of things matter. Don't make excuses with God. You know, when, when, when we're struggling, when you're struggling with something, own it. When you messed up, own it. Repent. You know, and, and, and but don't make excuses. God does not like excuses. Um, so those, that could have been the difference. Um, I'm, sure I'm, played, I'm sure it played into the difference anyway with how David re responded to his sin and how Saul responded to his sin. I'm, I'm sure that factored into it somehow. Okay. Um, so, so with that in mind, what can we do to prepare ourselves to be willing servants? Do whatever you can. I don't even know how to say that, right? So there's obviously opportunities for growth. There, there's certain things that all of us can do, right? Children can serve. In fact, he, God says, said that, you know, serve me from your youth. Um, so there's levels of serving, I guess you would say, but there's always something you can do right now. Like, I don't know if some of you remember whether that question came from somebody in the church or not, but, you know, we put together that servant, um, serving in the church booklet, probably a couple of years ago now. When we put that booklet together. We included everything in that book. Like it, it is, it is so itemized, the things that you can do in the church, um, from cleaning to, uh, working the AV to, um, greeting, ushering, the music. I mean, there's so many things in there. And the whole idea behind that is that there is something that everybody can do, right? If you're not serving, I'm speaking to people at Newark UPC right now, if you're not serving, it's because you don't want to, right? Unless you're disabled somehow. And even if you're disabled, there's some work we can do for you. I mean, that there's something, there, really, there, there is something that everybody can do right now. So if you are not serving, this pastoral team is not precluding you from serving. We're, we're, we've been begging. There's a place for you. Find a place to serve. You don't know where to serve? Come talk to one of us. We'll find you a place. So, so this church is a place where everybody can serve. So for one, there's something that you can be doing right now, whoever you are, right? There's not, that doesn't even require much preparation to, to, you, to get back to the question there. But yes, there are other areas that you can prepare for. It starts with asking, you know, they're, they're, you know maybe consult a member of the pastoral team. You know, maybe you have some particular area that you're interested in serving in and you're not sure where to get started, then perhaps one of us can give you some direction in that. Um, but availability, that's a, that's a, that's probably the number one way you can prepare to serve. You need to be available, right? And then people say, oh, well, I'm so busy. I, you know, this kind of thing. Okay, but you got to make room. You, you have to make room. We're all busy. Right. And, and um, things that are worth it require you to put forth some effort. And so you need to make some room to serve. You know, carve out, you know, in your mind, okay, I got an hour a day, whatever it is. What can, what can I do with that? Um, but availability is key. You know, you can learn, you can be taught. Um, you know what I mean? They, they, we, we do all kind of training. Some of you know that even with this um, online, with this uh, broadcast, you know, we, there's training that can be done behind the scene. A lot of you, you Joyce, I think, I don't even think you were a part of the broadcast when you first started um, going online, what, almost a year ago now. Um, 
what you're doing right now, running Restream, for example, right? You were trained during a pandemic you know, to, to run Restream, uh, as was Erica, as was Vincent, you know, those kind of things. Man, there's training. Nobody's going to throw you into something that you're not prepared for. So, um, again, it starts with the willingness and the availability, you know, and, and, and reach out to somebody. So if you want to serve, there is a place for you to serve at Newark or in God's kingdom, wherever you are, but you have to, you have to want it. And you just answered another question. Oh yeah. And answering that, uh-huh. Someone asked, what I say? is there <laughs> enough tasks for all of us to volunteer for? So that was perfect. Like you said, there's something for everyone. And there, there really is. Yeah, there really is. Um, um, there are plans that the pastoral team have been making and, and, and things. And, and there's, there's a thing we run into a lot of times, which is, we need people to help with those tasks. You know, there, there are some things that we haven't been able to fully roll out because we need laborers. In fact, the Bible says the laborers are few. That is, has been a problem since the ancient of days, the laborers bring few, right? And it is astonishing to me how much, and I'll just keep it narrow right here to Newark, how much we've been able to accomplish with how few laborers there are. So how much more could we accomplish everybody got on board. I mean that if everybody, how much more can we accomplish if everybody got on board? You want to see souls saved? You need to be on board, right? It, it takes all of us, you know, in, in key areas doing what needs to be done, right? And it's, you say, well, you know, how does all that equal souls? Somehow it does, right? Because this, this whole work that we're doing right here, this is God's work. This is not just about talking to you online or, um, you know, meeting up together. This is about souls. This is kingdom work. You know, and so when we all get on board, we will see things open up even more. So yes, there is a place. Whoever asked that question, you don't have a place, give me a call. Right? You know I mean? I'll help you find one. There is a place for every single person, young, old, in between. You know, it, it, seriously, you can't walk this task we got, you can sit down. You can't, there, there is literally something for everyone. All right. And even if there are things that, you know, where we had plans for this or for that, but could not go and go toward that direction yet because there was no help yeah. or no availability. So yeah. Yeah. it opens up room for other things. Sure. Yeah. But the scripture, your gifts are calling to make room for yourself. There, there, there could be something you have that we need. We don't even know it yet. You know, you know seriously, you, we don't even know it yet. And, um, you know, um, I know that, I think it was Desi, uh, was a, I think it's a scrum master. You gotta forgive me if I said that wrong for, for AT&T, I think it was. And there's a lot of organization involved in that and task management and things like that. And I think it was him that couldn't see how that would fit into this kingdom work. But, you know, Desi came on board here and those skills were perfect for what we needed. When you have teams in place and you're trying to move projects forward and different things like that, his skills were perfect. So that was a skill that he had learned in the world that perfectly translated over into what we were doing here in, 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 in the kingdom and has benefited us greatly, right? So you don't even know if you have a skill that translate over into the kingdom. Cause sometimes we make that, you know, we make that uh, sharp distinction between, you know, uh, secular work and the kingdom work. But lots of times those, those, those skills can be pulled right over into the kingdom uh, and be useful in, in God's hands. So, yeah. 
Well, someone did ask, why do churches sit servants down or take them out of one area that they're serving in when they mess up? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I really don't. I mean, it could be, uh, it, it could be an ongoing issue. It depends on what the mess up is. Um, faithfulness is key. I know that. So for example, you have somebody serving in a certain area and they're always late or they cancel the last minute, you know, or they, or they frequently cancel. That's a person that can't be dependent on. Right. And so that could be a reason. I don't know. Again, I'm just kind of speaking generically to that question, but that could be a reason, you know, God says, well done, that good and faithful servant, right? Your availability, your faithfulness, you doing what you say you're going to do. It matters because otherwise you are, um, you know, you, you're disturbing the whole flow of things. You, you, you're, what you do impacts the whole operation, if you will. And so it could be that. Um, a lot of times we don't know the story. And that's, that's the thing about um, when you're working in the church. Okay, there's this whole confidentiality thing. So sometimes we see things or, you know, let's just say I get sat down to use, to use your word. And, um, you know, sometimes you hear one side of the coin. You know, a lot of times when we don't do right, we don't tell everybody the part that we don't do right. And if you know about this pastoral team, this pastoral team doesn't tell your business. Okay, so I don't know, but that person could be telling one story and we said we're all feeling sorry for him or her, you know, that kind of thing. And, and But really it's something on the back end that was done that we can't speak of. So I don't know, but faithfulness could be, could be and highly likely is. If you're not faithful over the things of God, that's a problem. Um, you know, people are depending on you. The service perhaps is impacted by, you know, what you do, what you don't do, how you don't show or you don't show that kind of thing. So that possibly could be a reason why somebody would get set down, but I don't know. How um, can we keep in mind that the, sim that the smaller things in life are still an integral part of serving in God's kingdom? And the smaller things in life, yeah, it goes back to, that kind of was a similar question to the one earlier. Um, it all matters. That's all I can tell you, it all matters. If you think about, um, sometimes it's, maybe if you look at it on the flip side, if you think about, um, again, I'm just going back to the service. You, you think about what impacts you. If you go, okay, if I came into the church, I'm a guest, for example, and I walk into a church and there's nobody there to greet me. That's gonna be kind of crazy. But I walk into this church and, you know, there's nobody there to greet me. I don't know where the bathrooms are. I don't know how things go here. You know, I don't know. And I'm just kind of walking. I'm just kind of wandering, right? I mean, sometimes you put yourself in the gas shoes, you see. Or again, I've used the bathroom. I go into the bathroom and the bathroom's a hot mess, right? You know, I heard somewhere that statistically, that's like a sure way to have people not come back to your church is if they come into, the, into your bathroom and your bathrooms are nasty. That's one of the reasons why people say, I'm not coming back here again. Right, you know, um, so simple things like greeting people and having clean facilities, because okay, whoever asked this question talked about what seems to be little things, right? Th those may seem, those are the, those are a lot of things we don't want to do, right? But they matter. Um, so sometimes maybe it's putting on a different hat and looking at it from a different perspective and go, oh, okay, I, I can see why that can be important. Yeah. Well, how do we know what we're supposed to be doing since we physically can't do everything? Okay, so none of us can do everything. So if that is a thing that stops you, then you really won't do anything because none of us can do everything. 
Uh, one, okay, that may, that question makes me think about a lot of times people feel like, well, I need to figure out what I'm called to do. Okay, so you don't necessarily have to be called to take on a role in the church. Again, I'm just talking about um, some area where you can serve. Do you have to be called to be a greeter? No. Right? Do you see that's a need? Or is that something you're passionate about? Is that important to you? Do it. Right? You know, do you do you have to be called to, you know, play in the orchestra or um, you know, receive the offering? I'm just naming some things, right? Or or you know, work A V. A V is really important, for example. You know, that that that's one area that we kind of solicit for all the time. A V is really important. I mean, A V is how we're getting our um services out, you know, in literally into the world. Right, those are their broadcast. So that may seem like an insignificant role. You know, you're up in the room, you know, kind of there where people don't see you. But that role is key. That AV is is our link to the larger community, um, and again, i.e., the world. And so um, you don't necessarily have to have a call. Is, is my whole point. You could just have a desire. Just want to be a servant. Where can you use me, God? Right. What can I do? Maybe that's a better way of saying. It. What can I do? Okay, I can do this. I'm gonna do that. Real simple. Now, as it as it may apply to a larger call, for example, right? Then that's that, that's something you need to consult God about. Ask God. You know, um, what would you have me to do? Right. That was that was one of that was Saul, New Testament Saul, not King Saul. I know we're talking about the story of David, so our minds are easy to go to Saul. But when when um, Saul had that interaction in the New Testament on the road to Damascus and God knocked him off his keister and, you know, got his attention. And when God revealed to him who he was, I know you said, right. And the, the, his response to God was, what would you have me to do? Okay. And, and God gave him direction, go and see Ananias. And, you know, and, and my point is ask God, if there's something specific, for example, if God wants you to do, simply ask him and be open to his direction. But one way you want to find out or one way that you can find out I always call that pushing open, pushing doors, right? Try some things. Sometimes you find out what you're good at or perhaps even what God has called you to by doing some things, right? If you say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to see how great I'll be in an usher. Do it. If you don't like it, it's not the end of the world. Go do something else, you know? Go be on the orchestra. Go, right? My, my point is, it doesn't kill you to try some things. And it's okay to try some things. And it's not a, a lack of faithfulness, so to speak. If you say, well, let's say you try this for six months and you go, eh, I'm not really great at this, but I'll try it. That, you know, that's okay because you're in motion. And I, I'm a person that believes, I firmly believe that it's important to be in motion, right? You know, a lot of people say, well, I'm trying, but they're not moving, right? You know, you know that, that, that doesn't work, right? So get in motion. Don't just be a person of lip service, right? Get on board, do something, start somewhere. And a lot of times we find our way while we are doing. And I, I found that that's, that's actually the story of my life anyway, that, that you find your way while you are doing. But while you are sitting, well, you're most likely going to be sitting. That, that's just the way it works. Yeah, I agree with you. I um I never thought I would actually learn at the church. I mean, so far as skills, you know, uh, um, outside of the Bible, or even get to grow certain skills, you know, that I already had. 
I that never crossed my mind. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's a good point because a lot of times I, I just said earlier that you know sometimes we don't see how our um secular skills can you know be translated over to the kingdom and work. But there are many skills that many of us have, have learned right here in the church that have benefited us in our secular world. Right? We learned about good stewardship, right? We learned how to be good servants, for example. We learned how to be faithful. We learned how to be like on your job, you ought to be the best worker. That, that, right. In other words, you shouldn't be the one late all the time. You shouldn't be the one slacking off. You know, um, you, sh- you shouldn't be the one, you know, you know in, in the gossip circle, right? At work, you get to represent your king. So at work, you're the best, you're on time. Right? You working your full eight hours or however many times it is. I mean, you you have a good reputation. You, your boss knows you can depend on them. And, and so, but a lot of why don't we learn those skills because we honor God with our whole life. And so those are things that can benefit you out there as well. And to, to go back to the story of David can actually lead to you being elevated because sometimes you have some of the best workers. And I, I, I was a manager at Christiana Care for 16 years. And sometimes you have people who are highly skilled, but they are not faithful. They're late all the time. They're shucking and jiving all the time. They can do the job well, but you know, getting them to do the job is a whole nother story. They're the people you want to get rid of. But then you have other people who they might lack an ability, but they have desire. They want to learn. They're on top of their game all the time. Like I said, they're on time. Um, you know, they 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 um they can be depended on. Those are the people you want to keep, right? Going back to that availability thing, going back to that desire thing I was talking about earlier. Um, you know, that God God can work with us. Again, the saying is he doesn't need our ability. He needs our availability. God can teach you everything you need to know. He is great at a download, I call it. It's amazing what God can teach you uh, exponentially in a short period of time if your heart is willing. So anyway, yes. I don't even remember what the question was. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I have another one for you. Um, it seems crazy that King Saul would let David fight Goliath. Um, what do you think it was that caused Saul to believe in David and how can that influence us as servants? So I think that's a good one. <laughs> I think Saul was just glad somebody had enough heart to work. Because <laughs> he was right along with his men, <laughs> scared to death of Goliath. <laughs> but remember, okay, so when... Um, when Samuel anointed David, right at the end of that, it says that the, the spirit of the Lord was upon David powerfully. I can't remember exactly from that day on, right? God gives us favor, right? And when God, when that spirit of God is on us, if you will, um, okay, we know now, looking back at David's life, that God was orchestrating that from the get-go, right? That was all God orchestrated, you know? And, and um, so I'm not exactly sure, but David had heart, Right, and that's another thing. Talk about the, when it comes to the role of a servant. Right, was he probably scared? Well, I know he had experience. He talked about the lion in the bed. Cause let me tell you something. Now I love y'all. Whew, I'm not even gonna go there. But when I I got I got tickled when it said when, when it said when the lion, um, the lion and the uh, what was the other animal? The bear would turn on him when David talked about that. That he would grab it by the thing and club it. I'm thinking, my gosh. Okay, so David had some experience. He did have. David had heart. You know, he was brave, let me put it that way. You know, and, and 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 God talks about that, you know, when he talks about his people, be strong and be courageous, right? Not be, not in and of our own strength, but because he's with us. Uh, so I don't know, but maybe Saul sensed that, 
that this this young boy, you know, this he got heart. Look at him, you know, and 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 so I don't know whether some God lets all know or whether he just sensed it, but he let him at it. You know, maybe the story convinced them. I don't know. I'm just speculating here that David gave him about, you know, this this lion and these bears. And maybe Saul was like, man, I wouldn't even done that. Maybe I better let him at it. So <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> well, I think we got them all. I don't think I missed any. Oh, okay. It's eight o'clock. Well, that okay. is right on time. Mm -hmm. Well, all right. Well, it's been great spending this past hour with you guys. And um I kind of cheated on this one because I, I I love the story of Dave. I know, <laughs> I know I say it every time, but I really do. So much so much good stuff in there from, from so many different uh, vantage points. But uh, thank you for spending this past hour with us. It's indeed was great to have you all and to hear your questions. And I will pick back up on some of the questions there if you are from Newark. And honestly, even if you're somewhere else and you're a member of the church, find somewhere to serve. Don't make excuses. There's no reason. There's not that you shouldn't be serving um, in your local body. Um, God has a place for you and your contributions, big or small, they matter. So find somewhere to serve. Well, good night. Don't forget that if you uh, want to check us out, uh, need any information about us, go to newarkupc.info uh, where you can submit baptism requests, uh, prayer reports, it's all kind of stuff. When you can look at our archives of, of prior messages, we have messages from years like there's, there's so much content uh, if you go to that media call it, um, that you can that you can kind of dive into. Uh, Joyce has been called a troll around here because she loves to go back and troll through our archives and listen to old messages, this podcast, there's music. There's all kinds of stuff on our um, NewarkUBC.info. So go there for all things Newark. God bless you all and have a great night.